There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Fortman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. ...of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win in Jesus' name. One scripture, go to Proverbs 10, 29. Proverbs, say wisdom. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is information. Wisdom is the way to appropriate that information. Knowledge is uh, information, while wisdom is a shortcut uh, in getting to your desired goal. Say, I need wisdom. wisdom. Say it like you mean it, church. Say, I need wisdom. wisdom. See, there's a lot of folk that know a lot but don't know how to get a lot done because they're they're smart but not wise. Say, I want to be both. So that's what Proverbs is all about. It's about not just giving us information. It's about giving us implementation so we can be wise. Proverbs 10, 29, it says this. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. Say, God's way gives me strength. Which means, watch this, let me help somebody. If you're feeling real weak night now, that's an indication you've been doing stuff your way. Sometimes we can get in our own way. Well, I says, but destruction to the workers of iniquity. And iniquity here just generally means sin or evil doing. So check it out. He says, you're going to experience unnecessary destruction when you do it your way. But you're going to have supernatural strength when you do it his way. Now, here's the question. Supernatural strength. Unnecessary destruction. Which one are you going to pick? Now, I'm going to go with supernatural strength. Dustin said, that's an easy choice. Father, speak to us now over these next few moments. Customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, that we would walk in those things that you have ordained. And this year, it is that we would be on 10, experiencing the best of the best, best of the best people, places, things, and ideas. We thank you now that no weapon that is formed against us would prosper. Every tongue that rises in judgment, it is condemned. I speak life unto everybody under the sound of my voice. And wherever they've been weak, I declare that you would be made stronger. Wherever they've been confused, I declare they'd walk out of this place with every question answered. Answer every prayer answer every desire those uttered and even those they pondered in their minds customize this in such a way people would think there's been cameras in their house this week i decrease that you would increase speak jesus this is your church move by your spirit have your way in jesus name somebody shout hallelujah as you take your seats introduce this message to two or three people around you tell them this defeat the seven deadly sins defeat the seven deadly sins Last Sunday, we started a life-giving message series called American Idols to demolish the American Idols created by misinformation and misunderstandings of God's Word. And today, I want uh, to teach us and I want us to learn to defeat the seven deadly sins. Now, hear me at the onset. This message will not beat you down for your mistakes because we all made some. And truth be told, you're probably going to make some this week. 
And that's why the scripture says when we wake up, he gives us brand new mercy. Mercy is when God blocks the wrong stuff that we do deserve from uh, happening to us. Uh, we get both grace and mercy. Say grace and mercy. Grace is when he gives you good stuff you don't deserve. It's when he gives you upgrades you don't qualify for. It's when he opens doors that truth be told shouldn't open to you. Uh, but mercy is when God says you really deserve for some stuff to go real messed up. Some stuff to be real jacked up. But I'm going to give you mercy. Uh, that's why this message isn't designed to beat you up. No, to the contrary, it's designed to empower you to shut the doors of unnecessary destruction in your life. Because John 16.33 says we are all going to encounter trouble. Here's my point. Let's stop adding extra trouble to the previously scheduled trouble. You missed what I just said. I don't know about you, but if there's already some trouble on the agenda, I'm sick and tired of adding unnecessary trouble because I'm trying to do it my way. Would you look at your neighbor and say, if you'll stop doing it your way, you'll stop adding unnecessary trouble. See, the trouble that you go through that's already previously scheduled is about giving you the strength now to walk in what God has ordained for your life. He takes us from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from level to level, which means to operate at another level of life, I have to deal with another level of obstacle. Which means there is certain trouble that is on the schedule that is necessary for me to walk in another level of life. So you did say you want a better life. Anybody ever prayed that? You did say you want better family, better finances, better marriage, better job, better career. Well, to have better, you're going to have to beat bigger. You're not hearing me. So there's trouble that's already on the agenda that's designed. Watch this, David. You want to be king? Want to be king? You're going to have to fight a king's battle called Goliath. You want to be great? You're going to have to fight some great battles. That's already on the schedule. What I'm talking about today is adding extra stuff. Say extra stuff. Now, now just I need to check the room because if this ain't the right room, I'm just going to preach it somewhere else. Anybody say, I'm sick of adding extra trouble to my son. Okay, that ain't no enough. That ain't a deep south. We say no enough. Anybody sick of adding extra trouble? Okay, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. There are three basic types of sin or wrongdoing in the Bible. And hear me, it's not wrong because God doesn't want us to have fun. God is not some mad, angry guy sitting trying to keep you from having fun or keep you from enjoying life. In fact, he said, I am come that you might have life zoe in the Greek language of our New Testament and life more abundantly. Which means God says when people see you, they ought to see so much life in you, they come back to life. Which is why I can't stand looking at certain Christians that look like they were baptized in pickle juice and look like they're constipated. Why? Because I'm supposed to have so much life that when people look at me, they say, I want what you have. And I'm not talking about cash, cars, and clothes. I'm talking about shalom, peace, where nothing is missing and nothing is broken and nothing is lacking. It all is well. Question, when people look at you, do they want what you have or do they say, heck no? Look at your neighbor and say, what, what, what would they answer? What would they answer about you? What would they answer about you? Now, now, so it is not that God doesn't want us to have fun. It's not that God does not want us to enjoy life. In fact, aside from God, there is no life. But God uh, does not enjoy sin because it hurts us. Say it hurts us. Now, the first uh, three different types of sin. The first is sin generically, which means to miss the mark. It's like a mistake. Say a mistake. It's an archery term. And in fact, in an archery term, literally, if this was the target, uh, some of y'all know about target, right? You know, or, or for the bougie folks amongst us, target. Now, now, watch this. Now, they got the little, got the, you know, bullseye in the middle. In fact, yesterday, I was so proud of myself. I've been making progress on, on my shooting practice. I was making some good progress. I only had about three or four of them that went astray. 
Now, watch this, though. So sin was an archery term. So if you miss the mark, they yell out sin. You miss the mark, it was a mistake. But the second type of sin or wrongdoing in the Bible was transgression. Transgression went to willfully deviate from what you knew to be correct. So transgression says, don't touch the water bottle sitting on the black table. Here's transgression. Parents, have you ever seen your child transgress in front of you? Okay, y'all not saying nothing. And watch this. You ain't got to wait until they're teenagers. They'll do it as infants. Stay away from that light, uh, from the, uh, the socket. And then they watch you watching them. That's transgression. You know not to do it, but you did it anyhow. And then finally, the third type of sin or wrongdoing in the Bible is called iniquity. Iniquity is generational sin that's passed down. I teach a lot about that because most of us are not dealing with our issues. We're dealing with the issues of people that were in the generations before us. The scripture says that the sins of the fathers or previous generations would visit up to the third and fourth generation, which means you're dealing from anywhere between two and four hundred years of history that from people that you've never even met, never even encountered, but yet you're dealing with their demons. You're dealing with their unresolved issues. You're dealing with their unresolved actions. You're dealing with their unresolved feelings of inadequacies and, and telephobia. You are dealing now with several hundred years, up to three to four generations. And scripturally, a generation wasn't grandmama, mama, daughter. No, scripturally, if they all thought the same, that was equivalent to one generation. Which means if nobody in the current generation is thinking differently than the previous generation, scripturally, it's the same generation. But let me tell you who you are in case you don't know. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. I know that everybody in the bloodline has done it like this, but you were the one sent to be the way to say, no, I'm going to be the Joseph in my bloodline. I'm going to be the interruption to the drama in my bloodline. I know everybody else was messed up, jacked up, tied up, tangled up, but me, I was sent to interrupt that. Say, that's who I am. Three types of sin. Sin, Mr. Mark, transgression, willfully deviate from what you know to be correct, and iniquity. Generational sin that's passed down. You do it because somebody else in the bloodline did it, and that's why you'll say, I don't know why I do that. I just do that. Any witnesses here? Any things you've ever done, you're like, why am I doing that? I know it doesn't work. I know it's crazy. I know it makes no sense. Why in the heaven am I doing this? It's because it's iniquitous. It's iniquitous. It's in you. Which is why you got to get, I taught so much about it in series like Sins of the Fathers and wrote a whole book about it so that you could break that. Now, watch this. Say three types of sin. Now, let's look at that scripture we looked at, Proverbs 10.29. Wisdom 10.29. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction. Now, that word destruction has some interesting meanings in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament. Uh, the first, it means dismay, stress, and to be phased. Now, you ever said to somebody, I'm not phased by that. Watch this. But when you're doing things your way, Opposed to God's way, you will always experience dismay, you'll be stressed out, and you'll be phased by stuff that you shouldn't be phased by. You'll be bothered by stuff you shouldn't be bothered by. You're a lion sitting here worried about the opinion of a sheep. You're the head sitting here worried about a, a tail that don't like you. Uh, I could have said that another way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But then watch this. It also means that word destruction. It means ruin. Ruin means for something to go into decay. Decay means it was once good, but it began to decay. And it started to decay because you started doing it your way. Things don't just get bad overnight. Things decay slowly. Your teeth don't get bad because you had one candy bar and didn't brush your teeth. Your teeth get bad because you didn't have 700 candy bars. 
and ain't brush your teeth. And now you got cavities. What's a cavity? It's a hole. Now you got tooth decay. You can't chew what you should be able to handle. Y'all not saying nothing. Stuff you should be able to handle, it's too painful for you to handle because you've had too much decay. Oh, but I came to speak it into somebody's life today. There's going to be a reversal of the decay that's been going on in you. I wish I had some faith in this room. If you've had some financial decay, that's about to reverse. If your marriage has been in decay, that's about to reverse. If your children have been in decay, that's about to reverse. Somebody say reverse it, reverse it. Decay means it was good, but it started to deteriorate. And the reason it deteriorated is because you started doing it your way. And you're like, God, what's going on? God is like, you're doing it your way, man. You're doing it your way, son. You're doing it your way, daughter. But say, that decay is over. That is not a sufficient amount of faith. I need somebody that really believes that about their life. Maybe your neighbor's okay with decay. But I think it's a few frustrated folk that say, I'm sick of unnecessary decay. I want you to holler it so that your whole bloodline hears you. Saying, there's no more time in my life. For unnecessary decay. Say that ends now. Give him praise if you believe it. And I know somebody saying, Bishop, it's just that simple. The scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you got to learn how to call things that be not as though they were. Which means I'm going to call it what I want it to be until when I look at it, it's what I said. It's not what it is. It's what I say it is. What's this? Be seated. What's this? destruction dismay stress phase to ruin but then that word uh, destruction it has this other meaning in hebrew poverty when you start doing stuff your way your money starts getting funny uh, got real quiet right there sometimes the only way to change something is to starve the beast it's quiet sometimes when your money now sometimes you go through valleys and that's part of life Sometimes, though, you can experience unnecessary destruction that can lead to poverty, lack. You can be in lack now in your finances because God says the only way you'll listen is when you don't have no money to distract you. So I'm going to make it so you can't go to the movie, so you can't go to the show, so everybody else going out to eat you at home with ramen and hot sauce and cheese trying to make a special. Now, don't y'all look like y'all don't know what no. Now, normally the 915 is a little bit more bourgeois. I expect y'all to be a little bit more. Anybody know something about some Roman noodles where you had to hook them up? Now, hook up is an urban colloquialism, which, which means I had to add something to it to make it better. Which means they had one pack. Watch this. You opened another pack, took the seasoning out that pack. Talking about it's double strength. Y'all going to just leave me hanging like that. Ain't that something? You was hooking it. You put, let me put some hot sauce in here. Let me get some scallions and chop up some scallions. And <laughs> it's gonna be my version of faux. It's faux faux. Fake faux faux faux. You got it. Okay. Or pho or whatever. <laughs> Somebody asked me. I said, Bishop, you gotta try this this pho or pho. I said, look here. I said, I'm, I'm, where I'm from, we eat meat and potatoes. Now, you mean, the t now, I had that as an appetizer. <laughs> but, but, but that is simply an insufficient, what is it, this ain't nothing but some soup with some noodles and some meat in it. 
I'm not having that for my full entree. Do I have any other fellows or somebody that could tell, or some ladies, somebody? You gonna give me more than a little soup? Talking about this the entree. Man, please, you must not, okay, watch this. <laughs> no, watch this, watch this. Say, 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 say poverty comes into my life when I do things my way. Watch this, watch this. Here's the other meaning of the word destruction. Disintegration. Disintegrate. It means things were working well together, but now things start having breakdowns. It means to fall, to cause irreparable harm. Then that word destruction in Hebrew means terror. That's extreme fear or annoyance. Watch this. You experience all of that, watch this, shall be to the workers of iniquity. Generically here, this is a generic word, not the generational sin word. Iniquity here in Hebrew is the word generic, which simply means it's sin, evil, or wrongdoing. So let's read the verse now with a better understanding. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction, dismay, stress, stress, being phased, experiencing ruin, decay, poverty, disintegration, to fall and cause irreparable harm, to be terrorized by extreme fear and annoyance shall be to the workers of sin. I say, I don't want none of that. Okay, see, there y'all go getting quiet on me. Say, I don't want any of that. Now, here's four truths you need to know about sin. Because if you grew up in church at all, you probably have a, a, a misperception about sin. Here's the first truth about sin. Sin isn't the root, it's the fruit. And our God is not a God that likes to paint fruit. He's a God that likes to dig down to roots. But here's what you need to know when you deal with root issues. Whenever you start digging around roots like a natural tree, it gets dirty. That's why sometimes in life you got messy situations. Rather than running from your messy situations, you need to say, this is my opportunity to finally get down to the root issues that have been going on in my life. Because if I don't deal with the root, watch this, the fruit's going to keep growing back. Let me prove it to you. This is why there's stuff you said you were over 12 months ago, that it came back up this year, and you were back in that same mess again. Do I have any witnesses here? There's stuff you said, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I've dealt with that. But as long as you keep dealing with fruit and never deal with root you'll keep having a recurring issue because sin isn't your issue say sin isn't the issue brings us to the second truth about sin sin isn't the problem it's an indication that there is one say it again if you grew up in church maybe you heard that oh brother you gotta get that sin out of your life come out of sin stop that sin <laughs> stop it right now <laughs> So what we did is whatever we make the issue, we make the idol. So sin became an idol. So people are so busy dealing with fruit that they simply become, watch this, professional actors because they never conquer anything. They just act like they do. Ooh, but you. You, I'm going to tell you again, are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You were made to be more than a conqueror, not just walk around being a poser. You were supposed to conquer, rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. Not pose like you do. Check it out. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. Sin isn't the problem. It's an indication that here's what I want to use something very obvious. And, and if this has been an issue in your life, please hear me. This is not designed to beat you up. I'm just trying to use it to pay the point. Drinking's not the problem. Got it? That's the fruit. What's the real issue, Bishop? Is that a person wants to escape from reality because they don't feel like they have control of their circumstances. So what ends up happening is then, then becoming an alcoholic where it starts as one, then turns into two, then turns into three, then before you know it, it's a whole row full of drinks. And I'm not beating you up. I'm not beating you up because look at your name and just wink at him. Just say, don't start nothing with me. Don't start. 
You know, some folks like to say, that's right, Bishop, get them. Well, you got some of your own stuff. So you, we, we, we're not the kind of people who's going to point fingers at one another. We're just going to do like this here. Shanna Tova, you have now, 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 watch this. Say, sin isn't the problem. Say, it's an indication there is one. Right, let me use something. Let me use promiscuity. Promiscuity. Now, I did this at the 915. We're going to do it again at this one. So, so if, if, if on, on Monday it's Jerry, Tuesday it's Johnny, Wednesday, Jeremy, Thursday, Gerald, Friday, Jesse, Saturday, Jerome, and Sunday, Jesus. Okay, here's the deal. Now, here's what some folks will do. Oh, you need to stop that sleeping around. You need to stop that. Well, here's what Jesus does. Jesus says, that's the fruit. That's not the problem. Here's the real issue. She's looking for a daddy. She's got unresolved father issues. So in these relationships, she doesn't just get a lover. She gets a paternal sense of security. Y'all not saying nothing. So Jesus says, I don't want to deal with fruit, because you'll keep dealing with it over and over again. I want to deal with roots. See, sin isn't the issue. Say, that's not the issue. Matter of fact, stop walking around talking about, I just got to fix this sin. I just got to fix this issue. No, if we deal with your root, your fruit will automatically correct. I've never had to go lay hands. No farmer has ever called the church and said, Bishop, we need Bishop to lay hands because this apple tree ain't producing apples. Because the roots are good, the fruit is automatically good. Would you high five your neighbor and say, if you'll deal with your root, your fruit is going to be all right. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Some of you think it's going to be a lot of work for this to happen. I'm here to tell you, you can be set free today. You can walk out of this place free today. It doesn't take God forever if you deal with the right problem. Third truth about sin. Sin is a painkiller to anesthetize us from confronting the root issue. It's a painkiller to anesthetize us from confronting the right issue. What's anesthesia? It's designed so that you don't feel pain. You do know that most of the things we take, you know, aspirins and ibuprofen and all that, those are painkillers. They're not pain fixers. They're designed to make you think there is no pain, which is why you have to take them every four to six hours. Because it can only hide the pain for so long. This is why sometimes there's things we do in life that we know are destructive, that we know are counterintuitive to our progress, but we do it anyhow because we are trying to anesthetize the pain. As long as I don't feel the pain. So the sin is a painkiller, but it never allows us to deal with the root issue because we spend all of our time on drugs. I feel real good because I know that person's a bad friend, but I sure did have a good conversation with them yesterday. You anesthetize yourself. It's quiet, church. Okay, okay. Say, say, say sin, sin is anesthesia to keep me from confronting the real issue. Here's the fourth truth about sin. Sin, watch this, is nothing more than an illegitimate response to a legitimate need. Most of our lives we spend dealing with the illegitimacy of the response and never address the legitimacy of the need. The legitimate need or issue is the root. The illegitimate, the illegitimate response is the fruit. And you waste too much time trying to deal with the illegitimacy of the response rather than asking yourself, what am I really trying to get here? Why do I do this? Why do I talk like this? Why do I act like this? And here's the problem. So you're always frustrated with yourself. 
I wish I had some honest people in here. Are there any honest people where you can be? Sometimes you get so frustrated with you. Watch this. This is the reason why you never want to be by yourself or be alone because you actually have to confront and deal with you. So you're always on the phone, always on Facebook, always on Twitter, always on Instagram, always on Snapchat, always talking to somebody because if you don't do those things, you're going to have to deal with you. And you're frustrated with you because you can't figure out why you do what you do. But the, really, the reality of the matter is, is that if somebody told you to deal with the root, you would automatically correct the fruit. Matter of fact, I declare, if you've been frustrated with yourself, throw your hands up. We, Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare that that unnecessary frustration they've had about themselves, that today it would be motivation to deal with the root. I declare that the dis, uh, discouragement they've had with themselves, that it fall off of them, not tomorrow, but right now, in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, holla, I receive that. You're not going to get very far if you're mad at yourself all the time. You're not going to make a lot of progress if you kick yourself down all the time. Some folk don't need the devil. They have themselves. Some people don't need the enemy. They have an enemy that every time they start making progress, you're not this. And why did you do this? And you messed up so bad. And you're so this. And you're so that. Let me tell you something. Let me help you with something. The scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, literally, it was saying you should say that you've been redeemed. But there's another meaning there. Say there's another meaning. Whenever, watch this, you start throwing up all your failures to yourself. Sometimes you need to say, I did that. I did that, I did that, I did that. And there's some other stuff I ain't said to myself that I did too. But the redeemed of the Lord have to say, so Jesus, that's the whole reason he died, to wash that stuff away. So I get a fresh start. Say a fresh start. So watch this, church. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Proverbs 6, 16, it says this. These six things the Lord hates. Hate there in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament is the word same, which means God is an enemy to these things because they hurt us. And that's like any good father, any good leader, any good father, mother, leader, what have you, is always against the things that they know are against those they lead. Any good father is against stuff that he knows is going to hurt his son. Any good mother is against stuff that she knows is going to hurt her daughter. And, and, and here's the trip, parents. Sometimes you have to sit back and watch them hurt. Okay, I got real quiet right there. Because you talking, and the more you talk, the less they listen. And you send in text messages with encouragement, and the more texts you send, the less responses you get. Okay, these six things the Lord is an enemy to because they hurt us. Say, God hates these things because they hurt me. Now, that's love. See, love, love, talk is cheap, actions speak. Love is not an emotion. It's a decision that produces emotions. See, if you love me, then you'll hate what's against me. That's why, let me help somebody. I don't know who this is for. There's people you've been calling friends that really they're not friends. They're just foes with friend clothes on. Listen, what do you mean? Because they actually aren't against what hurts you. See, you're not for me if you're for what's against me. You can't be my friend and a friend with my enemy. By default, you are against me. Jesus said those that are not with us are against us. If they playing both sides of the table, that means you're getting played. I don't know who that was for. Watch this. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Abomination there means bad habits that become idolatry. Say idols. An idol is anything that we worship. Now, watch this, which means anything that gets put in God's place, it becomes an idol. And the scripture says that idols have to be taken down. So watch this. If your job becomes an idol, God says, well, you put that job before coming to church. You put that job before me. And so, and so you'd be like, what happened? God, God says, it's an idol. 
Got quiet right there, church. If that relationship becomes more important than God, you missing church and you ain't serving, you ain't that because of some because of Bay. God says, "Well, I got something for you, baby. You're gonna be Bay less." Every idol has to be taken down. If your car becomes an idol, if your money becomes an idol, it's quiet in the church. Whatever becomes an idol has to be taken down. So watch this. The scripture says, Proverbs 6, 17, he says that these seven things are an abomination. They're bad habits that become idols. Now, your unresolved issues become your idols, which will cause you to drift into sin. Because most of us don't dive into sin. We drift there. Your car doesn't just boom out of alignment. It drifts that way. Every day you drive it, it slightly gets more and more and more out of alignment. Then before you know it, you drive it. You're going straight. you like this. And here's the funny thing about it. You'll know you should take it to get in alignment, but you've learned how to deal with it being dysfunctional. I'm going to help somebody. I declare your days of tolerating misery and managing misery and dealing with dysfunction. Somebody holler, that's over for me. You sit next to the wrong neighbor because they should have shouted about you shouting about it. Say, that's over for you too. So we just deal with it. Hold up. So here it is. Watch this. Uh, now, there's only two I want to look at. Then we're going to look at them from pop culture. Because seven deadly sins, here's what you need to know. Pop culture created that terminology. The Bible uses slightly different terminology and covers slightly different items. So I want you to see those first. Then I'm going to get into the ones from pop culture. So Proverbs 16, 17, he says, a proud look and a lying tongue. Now, check this out. Lying is often revealed shame about the truth. When people lie to others, it's because they lie to themselves, so people give to others what they give to themselves. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So you could put love, you could change out the word love, and anything there is what you'll give to people. Lie to your neighbor like you lie to yourself. Betray your neighbor like you betray yourself. He said, Bishop, I never betrayed myself. Yes, you did. You said you weren't going to do that anymore. Okay, all right, let's not go. Now, remember, this ain't a beat-up message. This is a set-free message. Say, this is a set-free message. Okay, but you can't be set-free if you don't first know where you're at. That's why when you go to the mall, they say, you are here. You're not hearing me. You go look at the map. The map says you are here, which means you need to know where you are so you can get to where you're going. Stop talking about, I'm on my way to greatness. You don't even know where you're starting. Are you here? All right, so look at this. Check this out. He says, a proud look, a lying tongue. I want to deal with lying, but we're going to come back to pride in a little bit. Watch this. There are over 30 types of lies, technically speaking. The most practiced lies are deflecting. Say deflecting. This is where you avoid the subject. It's like Adam's lie. Adam, did you eat from the tree of which I told you not to? The woman you gave me. It ain't my fault. It's her fault. And then Adam didn't stop there. He was like, in fact, God, it, li listen, believe me, God, listen, believe me. Let me just be honest with you, God. The reality is this. It's really your fault. God, you rigged this situation for me and gave me a woman, and you did it, God. This is really actually your fault. Say deflecting. Okay, but it's still a lie. The next most practiced type of lie is omission. You omit information that makes you responsible. Where you been? You've been five places. You answer the question, report in four places. I went to the stove, <laughs> not the store, the stove. <laughs> I, 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 went, I, went, I, went, I went to get a car wash, and I went to get something to eat, and, and then I went to church, 
Praise his holy name. Thank you. That's all you did? Huh? Omission. You left out, and I also stopped um, and parked to have a conversation in the parking lot that I didn't want to have in front of you because I knew you were going to be asking me all them questions. And so, it's quiet, church. This happened in the Bible. Um, in, in the book of Acts, all the people had sold property so that everybody in the ch- church would lack nothing. And they brought all the proceeds of the property they sold. They brought it and laid it at the feet of the men of God. And so this man, Ananias and Sapphira, he and his wife, what they ended up doing is they withheld part of it. And so here's what he does. He walks up and says, Peter, man of God, how you doing, sir? God bless you. Thank God for you. So excited about all the great things happening in the church and uh, all of that. We're so excited. Here's the money from our property. And Peter said, that's what you sold it for? Yes, sir. The Bible says he dropped dead. Because he lied, he, he, he treated, he didn't realize when he was dealing with the man of God, he was dealing with God's representation. So to lie to the man of God, God said that was tantamount to lying to God. So then later on, she comes in, not that much later, and they leave him over there. They leave him over there. Some of the adjutants, you know, drag him back. Bible says the young men, they drag him back. They pull him over here. And, and, she, go, and she says, well, did you, did you sell the property for thus and so? That's exactly what we sold it for. He said, why would you lie to the Holy Ghost? They said, you thought you were lying to a man, but when you were dealing with a man of God, you were dealing with a separate level of responsibility. They said, you finna die too. She drops down, she falls to the ground, she dies, and then they they both die because it was omission. It was true they sold it for that and some more. It's quiet, church. God, okay, watch this. Pathological liars. Now, these are people who deny reality. I said, these are people who deny reality. You ever met a pathological liar? Now, look at your neighbor. What color shirt they got on? Just look at them. Pathological liar says, no, I don't. In fact, the reality is, is that everybody, see, my whole, my, oh, my whole life I didn't have to fight. And everybody that lied on me and talked about me, they just deny reality. These are people who you have a conversation. You got notes from the conversation. The conversation is recorded. Audio video with lower thirds at the bottom highlighting everything that was in the conversation a pathological liar says i didn't say that here you are right here on tape Uh, no you misunderstood then something happened with the tape something happened with the tape it revealed you a lie where i'm from in the south we'd put another word in front of lie the doggone lie watch this Exaggeration. These are sensationalists. These are people. These are people. I once caught a fish this big. They ain't never been fishing. Most they done is go to Red Lobster when it's uh, <laughs> fresh fish of the day. <laughs> okay? They're sensationalists. Everything is exaggerated. So and so came in and, ooh, child, they were mad. Here's what actually happened. Morning, everybody. They were mad. Did you see how angry they were? Did you hear their tone? Their tone was just so mad. Okay. Or you know you messed up. So you interpret somebody else's tone through the lenses of your failure. That's what happened with Adam. Adam basically tried to cop an attitude with God. God, this is your fault. And God was like, I'm going to show you. You're going to learn today. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. 
It's sensationalism. Here's what sensationalists do. Watch this. You did one thing, one time. You always do this. Okay, y'all are quiet. So if you don't, if you don't know our sensationalist, I need to make an announcement. You're the one we know. The sensationalist is always, you, you always do this. I did it one time. One time. No, I recorded it because I've been taking notes. <laughs> one time. You always say this. What? Sensationalism. It's exaggeration. Okay. Since it's quiet, I don't think you get it when you don't say nothing to me. All right. Well, I says, dismissal. Dismissal is the next kind of line. Why would I do that? So you say to him, um, did you take that money out of the drawer? Why would I do that? What's funny is you still didn't answer my question. Okay, so watch this. Them asking a question makes you stop pursuing your question. So now watch this. They reverse the narrative so you never get the truth. And you'll move on thinking you fixed the issue and all they did was lie through what's called dismissal. And then finally, white lies. These are the most t- common practices. Over 30 types of lies. Most common practices lie. white lies. These are lying to keep the peace. And it's like, I don't want to say nothing. If I say something, I know they're going to say this. And then if I say this, they're going to do this. And I just ain't saying nothing. And then trying to preserve peace, you actually pursue foolishness because you're not actually addressing what needs to be addressed. Now, I wanted to talk about that. Say lying. Lying. Say it again. Say lying. Now, verse 17 goes on, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord amongst the brethren. Now, over time, those are the biblical uh, seven deadly sins, if you will, but check this out. Over time, pop culture identified what are called the seven deadly sins, which are slightly different than what the Bible defines, which is why we're looking at both. It's my responsibility to give you what the word says, not just what culture says. But I want to look at these because uh, they both possess powerful principles and they both, quite frankly, intertwine with one another. They're virtually intertwinable. They're virtually the same. But we need to understand these so that we end unnecessary destruction. Say, I choose to end unnecessary destruction. All right, so here's the first from pop culture. Watch this, lust. Now, y'all see, old girl, got all that sugar. It got real quiet in the church. Sugar on her lips, sugar on the strawberry. She know exactly what she doing. Just like some folk be knowing what they doing, acting like they don't know what they doing. Say amen, church. Somebody on your road, social media, they be acting like they don't know what they doing. Okay, since y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm going to leave it alone. Now, now, watch this. I'm not beating nobody. I'm just making a point. Watch this. Uh, here's what you need to know. Lust isn't actually a sin. What you, Because lust just means strong desire. Well, I can strongly desire the things of God. I can strongly desire to be physically fit. I can strongly desire to be uh, 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 well-educated and be erudite. So erudite, meaning well-learned. That's not a negative thing. What makes lust a sin is what you lust after. Because it just means strong desire. That's why Matthew 5, 28, Jesus said, but I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Here's what Jesus reveals in that verse, Matthew 5, 28. Adultery can only be committed between married people. Which means the woman here is actually somebody else's wife. Did you catch it? 
No, no, no. No, no, no. Okay, so let me just give you some definitions. Just leave the verse up for a moment. Let me give you some definitions. Fornication, sex before marriage. Okay? Everybody got that? Everybody got that? Okay, let's, let's move on. Okay. Adultery is with, it literally means to break your covenant. Most often it's used in a marital sense that somebody is, uh, has infidelity from a marital sense. So when Jesus says, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her. He's revealing that that woman is actually somebody's wife, which means she was off limits to that man. Does that make sense, church? So, so lust wasn't the issue. The fact that he lusted after something that was off limits was the issue. Are you here, church? Right, watch this. So the question is, when we lust, because remember, sin is an illegitimate response to legitimate need. Have we ever looked at something that you knew was off limits, off boundaries, and you're like, I gotta have it? Come on, just be honest. You ain't nobody judging you. Just be like, I gotta have that. Ain't it, man? Now, if you weren't here Wednesday, ain't it, man, is a, so, a saying that we use um, in, uh, in Memphis, which is basically is a term of agreement, especially like saying amen. But we say ain't it, man. Main is the derivative of man or good fellow or good woman. So ain't it, man. So when you hear people saying that, like, what are they talking about? It's a southern thing. And I encourage you to just jump on in the water with us. Ain't it, man. So when you go eating after church, you'll be like, this is some real good macaroni and cheese. Ain't it, man? It's like Bishop Soul was preaching today. Ain't it, man? But like, I'm on 10 this year experiencing the best of the best. People, places, things, and ideas. Ain't it, man? Okay, got it? Now, <laughs> now y'all need to know this. Y'all got to read y'all's Bible. Y'all need to know this stuff. Yeah. Men funny. Watch this. What's the real issue behind lust? The unresolved issue is you feel that something is missing, so you have to go get something that somebody else's. That's the unresolved issue. See, the lusting after something off limits, that's the sin. That's the fruit. That's not the real issue. The real issue is you think something is missing that's off limits. You can't touch this. But another way, though, you know, we talk about are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Now, here's the deal. This is why you have to say to yourself, I am shalom. Hebrew word for peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. All is well. So there's nothing missing. But see, watch this. When you start lusting, lusting after things that are off limits, you'll start breaking rules to get what's off limits because you think something's missing because you don't know you're already shalom. Would you touch your neighbor's shoulder and say, you're already shalom. Uh, stop thinking you're missing something. You better learn how to be satisfied with you, yourself, or me, myself, and I. You got to learn that can't. All right. Say, I am shalom. See, here's the trip about people. Here's the trip about Americans. Here's the trip about relationships. Is that two unfulfilled people get together to try to fulfill one another. It's just being, being a bigger mess. Because two, two-thirds and two-thirds, people talk about this 50-50 in relationships. That's why they fail for you. It's 100 hundred. Okay. All right, watch this. Okay, let's move on. Here's the, next, here's the next one from pop culture. Gluttony. Gluttony means excess in eating and consumption. Proverbs 23, 21 says this. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Now, 
Gluttony, most time we think about that, we think of food. We were done eating 15 minutes ago, but the buffet's still open. We were done eating. The other day, somebody got me this dessert that I really, really like. And they put it on my desk. And, uh, and, and I said, what is this? And so I looked at it. I knew exactly because I knew the package. And so I knew exactly what it was. Now, I, I, I have, I have uh, now it was like 95 pounds that I've lost, and I changed my eating habits. Now, I don't say that for applause. I'm just trying to give you context. I'm just giving you context. So one of the things I had to stop doing is I had to stop messing with that white sugar and that white flour and that white rice. Any witnesses? You know, because you know, where I come from, you have bread with everything. Just give me a couple pieces of bread to go with that. Just well, what you need it for. Just, I just need some bread. <laughs> so they put on my desk. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I was like, I'm going to have one spoonful. And I'm going to just, you know, have one spoonful a day for the next couple of weeks. That's my plan. That's how I do normally. But this particular day, I was like, oh, this is one. God, that's good. God, don't. <laughs> okay, just a fourth of it. Then that turned into a half. And then before all of that, I was sitting there repenting in sackcloth and ashes, telling my Lord, I can't believe I set up and ate all this. Man. Now, so when we think of gluttony, most of the times we think of food. But here's the reality. We, we can overconsume. watch this, negative people. Now, you know they're bad for you, but you keep bringing them around because you're a glutton. Well, what's this? Uh, you can, uh, can overconsume gossip. Always want to hear what's going on with somebody else because ain't nothing going on with you. See, if you want to stay out of other people's business, get you some business. Just your neighbor say, I'm glad I got my own business. Now, I don't have time. You know what? I don't have time to know what's going on with other people because I'm so busy advancing what I've been sent to do. Not just food, it could be gossip, it could be negative people. Now, originally the picture we are going to use is a picture of Homer Simpson eating a bunch of food from the TV show The Simpsons, but we changed it up. Here's the deal. What's the unresolved bishop, uh, issue, Bishop? You're never satisfied with anything. You're never satisfied. I'm not talking about complacent. I'm talking about satisfied. You always need to consume more, yet you don't even value what you have. You always want some more. I need some more of this. I need some more of this. I need some more of this. I need some more of that. But you don't value what you have. Parents, can we have a discussion for a minute, parents? Have you ever sometimes looked at your children and they want an iPhone this and you're like, you have treat this one right. Never had that. Okay, I guess your children are just the most, just the most respectful of iPhones kids in the planet. You ever looked at somebody who wanted more but they were irresponsible with what they had? See, that's the essence of gluttony. I don't value what I have, but I want some more. I'm not doing a good job of what I've been given to do, but I want some more. It's overconsumption. And the real issue is never satisfied, but then the deeper issue is because we never learn to value things. See, if you were ever abandoned in life or ever dropped in life or ever rejected by who should have accepted you in life, you might struggle with gluttony because in your mind, I need to have a, a lot. I need more. We want more. We want more. I need more because one day it might be gone. Here's the next one. Greed. Somebody say greed. Greed, greed means excessive or reprehensible acquisitiveness. It means, watch this. 
Ephesians 4.19 says this, lost, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Greed means, it's very different than gluttony in this sense, that I need things. Gluttony is consumption generally. Greed is about things. I need a bigger car. I need a bigger house. I need more shoes. I need more clothes. And here's what greed is really revealing that you have a personal dissatisfaction with yourself. And if I get another house, it's going to be better. That's what's wrong with our family. We need a bigger house. We're all just so cramped up together. Just actually think about that for a minute, though. See? See how that don't make no sense to you? This is how you know, because it got real quiet. You can hear the lights. Now, 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 now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Say greed. It's a personal dissatisfaction. If I get more money, I'll feel better about myself. Then you get more money. That's like, hmm, need something else. <laughs> if I get two cars, I'll feel better about myself. I will get two cars and two chains <laughs> to go with my two cars so I can two-toe through my valley. <laughs> Tell me, I don't know about that. That's a dance we made up, dance we made up. It's going to be huge. No, believe me, believe me. You've not seen a dance until you've seen. <laughs> what's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? Say, Lord, deliver me from greed, gluttony, and lust. Because all of those open up the doors to what? Destruction. Because in your pursuit of greed, you'll start kind of, you know, breaking the rules a little bit. I know I'm supposed to do this, but, you know, I want some more. So you kind of break the rules. You kind of step on people to get stuff. Kind of kick people around to get stuff. Oh, it's quiet, church. It's quiet, church. It's still quiet. Normally when I say it's quiet, y'all say something. Y'all are like, it is quiet, Bishop. It's a, that's a true statement, yes. Right, next, next is laziness. You don't know nothing about this one. It means to be disinclined to activity or exertion, not energetic or vigorous. Proverbs 15, 19 says, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. What's a highway? I get to where I'm going quickly. But if I'm lazy, then my path is blocked with thorns. Laziness. Now, listen, I was telling you this morning, by nature, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an aggressive person. Now, I'm not saying that to, for, for nothing. I'm just saying that's me. I was telling them this morning, if I was an animal, I'd be a shark, a great white shark, or this new one I found out about, Megalodon. That'd be me. Or if you don't want to deal with sea animals, let's go to land animals. I'm a lion. That's me. I'm built to be the king of the jungle. Mufasa. That's me. So when I sense laziness, as a shark, it's like blood in the water. It infuriates me in a way. To, it, you, you ever looked at somebody lazy and complaining about their life and you're like, how about you stop taking so many naps? How about you get up and go make something happen? Sitting here complaining about God, tell God about your life. You didn't slept half of it, that's why. 
And just a, a little hard work. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Stop showing up telling me how tired you are. Anybody making something happen is going to be tired. Shut your mouth and get your work done. I'm just so tired. Sound like a slave. I'm tired. Every day I come out here, I'm just tired. That's me. Now, I'm saying you think that's just me. Now, check this out. Laziness, let's show the picture. I want you to see this of laziness. I want you to see this imagery of what lazy is. See the guy on the left? See how he's sleeping, taking a nap? Oh, because he's had such a long day. Uh-huh. And look at how his numbers are going down. But you see the guy who's up and alert, got his eyes open, got a smile on his face. See how his numbers are going up and to the right? Touch your neighbor and say, I'm the guy on the right. Here's why people are lazy, though. Here's why we get lazy. And let's be honest, haven't we all been lazy at some point? You say, I'm going to wake up at 5, you get up at 2.30. I'm going to go to the gym. Oh, no, I'm doing it this week. I'm so excited. I'm on 10. American Idols, Man of Steel, whatever. I'm doing it this week. Cha, man, I didn't even get up. Or you do get in the gym, and then it's a little harder than you thought. I'm over this. I'm just over this. That was good. I did 15 minutes of cardio. That's a start. That's a start. <laughs> it's quiet, church. Here's the unresolved issue of laziness, is we fear failure so we never try. When we're lazy, it's because, what if I fail? So I just won't do it. What if it doesn't work out? I just won't do it. And we'll come up with spiritual reasons not to do it. I just don't think this is my season to do that. What does that even mean? Please stop saying stuff the Bible don't say. I just don't feel in my spirit. See, I know you're lying because the spirit don't feel. Feelings are emotions. Emotions are in the realm of the soul, not the spirit. So next time somebody says, I just didn't feel that in my shakaboo, in my shanda, in my spirit. You need to look at him and say, come here, baby. You lying. I know you lying. You know you lying. Everybody know you lying. <laughs> okay. Well, I says, it's a fear of failure. Touch your neighbor and say, drop that fear. Let me tell you how to drop that fear. The only way to get over fear of failing is to fail. Now let's ask the question. Anybody ever failed in here? Guess what? So why do you have a fear of something you've already beat? Y'all not saying that. You've already failed and you got back up and you kept on moving and you kept on pushing. Stop being afraid of something you know already beat. What if I mess up? Get up and try again. Okay, got to move. Wrath. Wrath. Wrath is hot anger. Vengeful anger and indignation. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I, I could tell you about wrath, but instead I want somebody to show you about wrath. Watch this. Uh, that was your neighbor this morning getting ready for church. No, that was your neighbor. We got footage from their house. And they were trying to work, trying to, trying to milk that clock. 
And before they knew it, they had to be in church in 10 minutes. So they turned into the Hulk. Let's be honest. How many of us over the last seven days, we didn't have one of those moments? Let's just be honest. If I had anything else I could lift, I'd lift it. Now, here's the, here's the crazy thing about wrath. Say wrath. wrath. Wrath is vengeful anger, which means wrath is designed to inflict pain. Notice that he turned from who he was into something that destroyed everything around him. And then when he would come down, when the Hulk would come down off of these highs, then he'd look around and say, I did all of that. That's what happens when you're wrathful. You'll tear stuff up. And now that you didn't tore it up, and now you'd be like, you mad at me? You don't want to talk. You just tear up everything. You get mad. You get vengeful. You get angry. Who ate the last Frosted Flakes? I worked all week and all I wanted was a bowl of Frosted Flakes. They ain't popping out. Don't y'all look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Put some respect on my name. Can't nobody eat no cereal no more in this house. Don't look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's quiet. Who messed up my mats in my back seat? I just got a car wash. See, you know what? You know what? What? You know what? <laughs> Come on, church. Don't leave me hanging like that. Who took my copies off the copier? So I can't stand working for y'all. Y'all always be touching stuff you ain't got no business touching. Put my copies back. If one more person call me, you work in customer service. If one more person call me. We've all been raffled, right? Okay, here's the deal. Anger's fine. The Bible says be angry, but sit not. But what do you allow anger to cause you to do? Anger is one letter away from danger. And when anger goes unrestrained, it turns into wrath, which is strong, vengeful anger. Here's the unresolved issue. Here's why we do that. Here's why we do that. You feel out of control of your circumstances. So your wrath is designed to regain control. But in doing so, you destroy everything around you. Because you'll say stuff you ought not say. The truth be told, you don't mean, but when you're in wrath, you're trying to inflict pain. So you'll say stuff, and you'll know it hurts. And you'll... Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the issue is about cereal. You bringing up stuff, I'm talking to married folk, you bringing up stuff... Tell me, I see, that's why your first husband did. Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. I thought this was about cereal. See, wrath is, I'm going to hurt you. Oh, no, you're going to get it, you're going to get it today. That's what wrath is about. The problem is, is then all of the people that you've killed, they're funny, on your way down, 
now once you recover from your wrath, now you're trying to fix it, but you tore so much stuff up. Because rather than sitting there and saying, wait a minute, what am I really mad about? I'm really mad that I feel out of control. And I want to control, but the reality is maybe there's a reason I don't have control. Maybe I don't need control because I don't know what to do with it. Sometimes we want to be in control, but the truth be told, leadership is a burden. It's a responsibility. So sometimes you want to be in control of stuff that you haven't proven you know what to do with anyhow. Y'all not saying nothing to me. That's why we got to learn how to say, not my will. Thy will be done. What am I saying? Not my control. Your control. Make it a Janet Jackson song. Control. All right, here are the last two. I got to quit. I'm out of time. Are we getting anything in church today? Next one, envy. Envy, painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another, joined by the desire to possess the same advantage. First Peter 2, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up into your salvation. Watch this. Envy, look, look at this photo of envy. Watch this. I want you to see this. Come on, let me see the photo of envy so you can get the imagery in your mind. Now, here he is. Now, he's looking at, he got his antlers, but he's looking over at somebody else's antlers. Like, well, why he get those antlers? Watch this. So he doesn't enjoy what he has because he's wishing he had what somebody else does. So envy always says, why they get that? Let's be honest. We've all looked at some people like, how they get that? God, you let them have that? Then you start bringing up all the reasons why they shouldn't have it and why you should. And sometimes not realizing that it was nothing more than a test to see if envy was in you. Sometimes God will give, watch this, I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to help somebody because you prayed about this this week. I know it's you because you'll stand up and turn around one time. This week you prayed and you were asking God, God, why in the world haven't I gotten this? Why haven't I received this? So God gave it to somebody around you to see how you'd act. Y'all not saying something you wanted he gave to somebody else around you to see how you would act about it. Whether or not you celebrate what you had or be jealous and envious of what somebody else has. But I dare you to look at your neighbor and say, I learned to love myself. Yet what I got, I'm going to love it. I'm going to maximize it. I'm going to make it the best of the best. I may have not been dealt the best hand, but I'll take a bad hand and learn how to play it well. I'm not envious of you. Do your thing. Do your thing. Do it. I want you to do well. Because if he blessed you, guess who's next? Shut your neighbor and say, I won't envy you. I want to see you do well. Say, because everybody on this road, God's about to do something incredible. You ought to speak it into existence. I'm not envious of you. If he's doing it for you, baby, I must be. Yeah. Envy only happens when you start competing with another person. See, I ain't in competition with nobody else. I'm in competition with yesterday's version of myself. See, that'll keep you from ever being a hater. You're only a hater when you start competing with other people. Say, I'm not in competition with anyone else but yesterday's version of myself. Here's the unresolved issue of envy. You feel inadequate. And when you feel inadequate, anytime somebody gets something you think you should have, you'll wonder why they got it. Now, realizing that you see glory, you don't know story. You don't know what they went through to get that. 
Don't look at somebody and say, look, and women, sometimes women, and, and, and not here, because the women of Harvest build one another up. Amen. But sometimes women will look at another, that ain't her hair. Well, why couldn't you just say it looks good on her? And maybe it is hers. Maybe you just ain't seen real hair look that good. And yes, it is her. She went to the hair drawer and bought it. And as long as she got that receipt, she owns every single... Is there anybody? Okay, no, 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 no. So, 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 it's because, because sometimes, sometimes ladies, and I know not here, but just, you know, y'all know ladies that used to do this. They see another lady, and then it's just like, you got to find something wrong with her so you feel good about you. And that's not how God gets down. God says, no, you build her up, she build you up, everybody build one another up. Preachers will do that too, and they'll be like, man, I said, I don't want to hear nothing about no, I said, he's a man of God, I don't want to hear nothing, shut your mouth, don't talk to me about your drama, I want him to do well, my success doesn't have to come at the hands of his failure, shut your mouth. Touch your name and say, build me up. He's looking for stuff wrong. They got a new car, they must have lied on the application. How you know that? Maybe they just saved their money and ain't out spending it every two weeks. Okay, let me move on. Let me move on. Family folk will do this too. Because watch this. They'll say little stuff. So you think you're doing something with your little this, huh? And you know what you need to say? Show lamb. Show lamb is a southern colloquialism. which means I sure am, dear fellow. Or you just think you something going to church, show them. Are you just going to church? I remember when we used to do this. And aren't you glad that I used to? That's the whole point. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm making progress. I'm not the same me I was. Let me finish. Finally, pride. Say pride. pride. Now, we talked about that a little bit earlier from Proverbs. And here it is in the seven deadly sins by, uh, given by uh, pop culture. It's a quality or state of being proud. It's an inordinate self-esteem. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Here's pride. Pride won't admit when it's wrong. Pride says this. I did that, but you did this, though. It's not, it, it lacks contrition. Pride is like, I did this because you did that. Do you understand why I had to act crazy? Versus just taking responsibility for it. Pride said, now I know you've never dealt with this. Quiet in the church. Okay. Pride won't ask questions to avoid looking foolish. So it makes big mistakes that make it look foolish. Let me tell you how you're prideful. You got to be dangerous, especially if people get in your inner space. Because pride can creep in and there'll be a lot of unresolved issues because nobody wants to actually ask questions. So make a lot of assumptions. Pride doesn't like to ask questions. Instead, pride likes to just, well, I thought. Okay, let me give you an example. You probably had this maybe happen, somebody you know. So it wasn't no official relationship. But you figure we together every day. We eat lunch every day. And then one day, you sitting at the table, they got their phone flipped over. It's quiet in the church. All I'm doing is just, I saw it on Lifetime. 
And so, and so you're like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? I thought we, oh no, we just went to lunch. Oh, you thought, oh. Ain't a minute. <laughs> now, what's the point, Bishop? Is assumptions are dangerous because they're the lowest form of intelligence just above stupid. Well, sometimes we won't ask questions. We'll assume. But when you didn't say good morning to me, I just assumed we weren't friends no more. <laughs> friends like that. I just, you know, I just, pride won't ask questions. Are you hearing me, church? Pride makes assumptions, jumps to conclusions. Well, you didn't do this because of this. Or maybe if you'd asked, it was because of this. Watch this. Pride blames and pride complains. Pride always fights for I will, which is why it never gets what it wants because it's a slave to its will. I'm doing this. I'm going to do this. It's about me. I need to do something for myself. I, 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 which is why you keep cry, 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 cry. <laughs> All through the night, 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 night. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, what's this? That's going to be on the next Harvest Worship single. There you go. And what's funny is we can really record that and sell a million records. That's what's funny. No, that's what's really funny. If this bishop thing, you know, don't, hey, listen, y'all be see me out to be like, I'll be little bishop. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> you can call me Eagle Man. Okay, watch this. I'm joking. Watch this. Be a good church. Focus on Jesus. Watch this. Say pride. Pride blames and pride complains. It's your fault. And it complains, which is different than critiquing. Complaining is a problem without a solution. A critique is, a, is an issue with a solution. You don't ever do this. So what are we going to do about it? I don't know. I'm going to need you to know something. You're going to need to get, you know. That's what Adam did. The whole world has been mistaught about why Adam fell. I'm through. Touch your neighbor and say, we're getting ready to close. But are you glad you came to church today? Because when we shut the door to these things, you shut the door to unnecessary destruction. And I'm getting ready to close. Adam, the whole world thinks Adam fell. Bishop, he fell because he sinned. That's wrong. Adam did not fall because he sinned. Bishop, how do you know? Because when he sinned, God did nothing. Heaven did nothing when Adam made, made a mistake. God did nothing when Adam failed. After God watches Adam defy the instruction, he comes to him and he says, Adam, where you been? Where you at? Bible says, that the man and his woman, the man and his wife were naked and unashamed. Next verse says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Scripture says they make a mistake, they fail, and really they transgress because they defied God's commandment. But let's just suffice it to say they sin. Say they sin. So here's what happens. They go hide from God. God shows up on the scene like a boss. And he shows up on the scene. He walks in. He got Michael Gabriel in with him. He kind of walks in. He got a couple lions on some leashes, you know. He walks in. 
Jesus walks in. Jesus, God, same thing. The anthropos, the God, man, so much God, you can't believe his man, so much man, you can't believe his God. He walks in. He says, Adam, where are you? Now, God wasn't asking to check his location. He was asking to check his response. He says, where are you? Next verse. What's this? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Notice God still hadn't done anything. If he, Adam fell because of sin, that's the time to judge him. Amen. That's your neighbor said, that's not why he fell. Next verse. And he said, well, who told you that? Did you do what I said not to do? Next verse. Then the man said, watch this. Here's pride. The woman you gave me to be with. She did it. And I ate. Pride blames. Pride complains. You missed it, church. It's only after this does God say, okay, look at the next verse. Uh, the next verse. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, watch this. She said, well, I watched him do it. Worked for him, seems like. The devil made me do it. She says, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Next verse. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed shall you be. Go to the next verse. And I'll put in between you and the woman, and between you and her seed. Next verse. Then the woman, he said, I'm going to multiply. See, ladies, here's where it started, right here. She said, it's going to hurt now when you conceive. Next verse. Then Adam, he said, because you have he divorced your wife, then he goes on and God starts cussing. Curse, curse, curse. You see right there? Okay. See, God was good until Adam was prideful. I'm trying to help somebody. Your mistake isn't the issue. Your response to your mistake is the issue. Say pride. God wasn't mad that Adam transgressed. He was angry that Adam got prideful about it. Rather than saying, Lord, I whoa, this is my fault. I'm in charge. I'm responsible. I sat there, listened to the conversation, didn't do anything. It's my fault. Instead, I blamed. And not only did I blame her, watch this. Here's how you know it's pride. I'm going to blame my leader. God, it's really your fault because you made her. I'd be doing better if you did better. It's your fault, God. Anybody in management or leadership? You ever been blamed by something for one of your subordinates? How'd that make you respond? Aggressively. I bet you had to have one of them moments where, you know, tell me, you don't want no problems with me. No, 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 no. What's funny is how when it came on, how y'all looked. Lift your hands. Father. To, no. <laughs> this is the 11-15. Okay, watch this. Say pride blames. Pride complains. What's the unresolved issue to pride? You're ashamed of something. He said, Lord, I heard your voice. I did what you shouldn't do. And I was ashamed. I was fearful, so I went and hid myself. I hid myself like I could keep myself from you because I was ashamed. I was ashamed of something, so I responded in pride. People with bad attitudes are ashamed of something. 
Prideful people are ashamed of something. I have a question. What are you ashamed of? Because any area you have shame, where you feel like you've not been doing a good job, you feel like you've not been performing well, you feel like things aren't working the way, that shame, watch this, if it's not checked, becomes pride. And pride, the scripture says, comes before a fall. Here's what you need to know. Adam didn't fall because he made a mistake. That's good news because we all make them. Adam fell because of his response when he made a mistake. He said, God, it's her fault and it's your fault. I can't believe you put me in this scenario, God. Kind of God are you? You supposed to be good. God said, I'm finna show you. <laughs> you gonna learn today. Say, Lord, Lord deliver, me deliver me from pride, from, pride. from envy, from wrath, wrath, laziness, laziness greed, greed, gluttony, gluttony lust. These things are dangerous because they open the doors to unnecessary destruction. Now, lay your hands on yourself. Say your name. Say in the name of Jesus. I declare that's over in my life. I declare unnecessary destruction ceases in my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare I am free from these destructive cycles. If I deal with the root, I correct the fruit. If I confront the unresolved issue, I'll fix the fruit. As of this moment, I declare my personal freedom. I declare my personal breakthrough. I have a grace on me. That's a supernatural favor. That's a supernatural empowerment and ability to break free from these seven deadly sins. In Jesus' name, would you give God praise all in this place if you believe that? Hallelujah. Listen, today, if you're in this worship Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. 